0: You're listening to a podcast from Riverview Church in Boness, recorded during one of our Sunday gatherings. For more information about Riverview Church or service times or contact details, go to riverviewchurch.uk or find us on Facebook at Riverview Bowness. There's a place above Castle Campbell. Uh, how many of you have been up to Castle Campbell, up into Glum Valley, OK, there's a place above that, on the, kind of on the way to King's Seat, but in the valley, where there's this beautiful spot in the stream. It's one of my favorite places to go. I've been there quite a few times. I first discovered it because of Eddie Watts, because Eddie, David McDonald and I, and I just note that neither of those two guys are in the room right now, so I can say whatever I like <laughs> about them. Um, but, but we went to King's Seat. It was my first Saturday here. It was just before that my first Sunday as pastor of this church, officially. And so they took me up the Castle of Camel, they took me up to King's Seat, they were hoping to leave me there. But they, on the way back down, David and I are following the path And Eddie, being Eddie, if you know Eddie, you know this will be very likely and true. Eddie's like, I don't like the path. Paths are for losers. I'm gonna go find another way down the mountain. And and so Eddie just goes off through the bracken uh, down this incline that, you know, David and I are kind of like, David's worried about his knees. I'm worried about, I don't know, my hips or something like that. So we're kind of like sliding down this brackeny incline. We get to the bottom and we find this stream and we drink deeply in this stream. Uh, And then Eddie just takes all his clothes off and sits in it. (laughs) Like, not all his clothes, okay, that's an exaggeration, but (laughs) it sounds better for the recording if I say it. No, he basically is sat there just in his boxer shorts in the middle of this stream, like, arms folded. There's nobody about, guys. It's not like a massive touristy part here, so we're all quite good. But but David and I, you know, we're a bit more British about things, so, you know, I I just kind of, like, Dipped my face in the water like that. Uh, but Eddie was, it was all in. And, and since then, I've been back to that stream uh, quite often. And, and now I love to sit in that stream. I, I use swimming shorts, okay, but, but I love to sit in that stream. Uh, but here's the thing you wouldn't want to take a drink in that stream further downstream from where I'm sitting, would you? <laughs> because, well, I don't need to go into that. When you take a drink from a stream, you're taking a, a bit of a risk, aren't you? There could be a dead sheep just slightly upstream. So if you want to find the purest water, you get closest to the source because you don't know what will be in the river further downstream. Um, when I was young, we, we lived in this mill for a little bit of time, a water mill, uh, and uh, once I remember distinctly the, waking up one morning, I was only a little child, and there were dead fish everywhere like literally everywhere. And we're pulling out like wheelbarrows and wheelbarrows out of the mill stream, just dead fish, dead fish, dead fish. And it turns out what had happened is a farmer upstream had dumped a load of chemicals into the stream that had just killed everything that was in the stream. So if you want the purer water, you've got to go further up closer to the source than where the pollution was. And then the fourth River, okay, it's not a place that any of you particularly want to swim, like I don't see many people going out for a little dip out of the harbour in Boness or anything like that, and even under the railway bridge in Queensferry there's a big sign that warns you not to eat shellfish that you've picked up on that stretch of water because of the pollutants in the fourth. How far... Would you need to go before you would be willing to take a drink from the fourth? Would it be Blackness? <laughs> would it be Grange Grangemouth, Kincardine? Would you want to get right up close to the source in order to get a drink? Because the purest water is found closest to the source. And the question today is, does the water further downstream reflect the source. And Jesus said, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. That's what we're talking about in the life of a Christian. Okay, A spring of water welling up To eternal life. And that's John 4 14. And he goes on to say in John 7: Whoever believes in me, as Scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow from within them. Whoever, do you believe in Jesus this morning? Then his word, as Scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow from within you. Rivers Not trickle, not drip, 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 rivers of living water. What's the qualification? A believer. If you believe in Jesus, you might not feel like it, but there are rivers of living water welling up inside of you. He is the source, pure and perfect, refreshing, thirst-quenching, life-giving. He said, like, anyone who is thirsty, let them come to me and drink. But as we saw last time a few weeks ago when I was preaching, uh, what God is working in us must be working out of us. We're still in this kind of section of Philippians 2. It's still the same thought. What God places in us should be coming out of us as well. And so there's a responsibility to outwork the flow of salvation uh, that he alone has worked in or is working in. Remember from last time, just this quick point, it's not about working for our salvation, but working out our salvation. You cannot earn what God has to give you, not your behavior, not your character, not your sense of wit, not, not your wealth, not your position in society. Nothing, nothing, nothing that you have can earn what God is able to work into you, the gift of salvation. So here's a question. What flows out of you? What, what's your output? What does it look like? Remember that the purest water is found closest to the source. Uh, But streams flow out from the source uh, and they can get polluted, like the farmer dropping a load of chemicals in, like Eddie sitting in the middle of the stream. Uh, They can get blocked. Logs come and jam things up and you, you get these natural dams that occur. It can get blocked up. Do we reflect? the source, or do we sometimes let this river of living water get a bit blocked up, maybe a bit polluted as we get distant from the source? Because even the purest stream requires care and maintenance to keep it pure. To to keep it so that the, the water at the end of the stream is as pure as the water at the beginning of the stream. So, go to Philippians 2. Verse 14, and we're really mainly going to look at just two verses today, but I'll I'll read uh, four verses for you. Um, Thanks, John. Do everything without grumbling or arguing, so that you may become blameless and pure, children of God, without fault, in a warped and crooked generation. Then you will shine among them like stars in the sky, as you hold firmly to the word of life. Uh, that, that last bit, uh, we get, shining among them like stars, and that, that this crooked generation, we're going to talk about that in a few weeks' time when we move on with this. But today I want to really focus on this, this couple of verses that says, do everything without grumbling or arguing, so that you may become blameless and pure children of God without fault in a warped and crooked generation. I mean, uh-oh, <laughs> right? I mean, I'm in trouble here. Because, like even even this week, I am a grumbler. Like I'm a winder. I am. You wouldn't believe it. Cause like you're like you're always so full of joy and lightness and stuff like that. you've always got a smile on your face and you walk, oh, "I'm a grumbler." Like sometimes on a Monday, Jess says. Even just a couple of weeks ago, she said on Sunday night, oh, "Can we can we go find a beach tomorrow?" And I was like, "Oh." All right, I just wanted to lay in bed all day. It's my day off, you know. I don't, I don't really want. And and I found myself. I didn't. Gr- I've learned to grumble less out loud, because <laughs> it's safer. <laughs> but, but but there's an internal grumbling that goes on where I'm like, oh. do you know what I mean? Like I don't know if you remember Harry Enfield from years ago, comedian, uh, and he had Kevin the teenager who was like. Oh. <laughs> Like, so unfa- that's me on the inside. This is me on the outside. This is me on the inside. <laughs> like that. Like even this week, I, I-, I went to the post office because I got one of those joyful little notes through the door saying you weren't in, <laughs> so we've taken the package back to the sorting office down in Bowness, And I'm like, okay, I'll go pick up that tomorrow. Looked on the website, misread it. I thought it said we are open from eight till one. I went at five past ten. It's not. It's eight till ten that it's open. And in my heart, and maybe a little bit mumbly, I was like, what kind of business does two hours and then closes? That's ridiculous, I'm five minutes late. And then that same day, I had to go pick up a prescription for Jess. And I know that Lloyd's Pharmacy, I know that it closes at six o'clock, except for a Wednesday. And I'm there at three minutes past five on a Wednesday. And the, the woman's at the door, and she's just locked it, and I was like, I really need to get this for my wife. And she's like, I'm sorry, five o'clock we closed. I'm like, it's the only day that it closes early. And it's the same day that I had to be turned away from the post office. And so my heart was full of grumbles. Uh, and then I could give you a number of examples of this. And you've probably heard me talk about my, my driving before. Like, I, I don't get ragey anymore, I say it anymore. But, but sometimes I'm like, oh, you're gonna do that, are you? When somebody pulls out in front of me, I say, oh, so that's how we're driving today, is it? <laughs> I know that you're resonating with this. <laughs> you know, it's, it's interesting because I, I noticed that if I'm under stress, if I'm uncomfortable or if I'm unhappy, then it's just gonna come out more and more. <laughs> you know, how, how about you? Like, I wonder if I could capture on their podcast the sound of people shrinking in their seats. This how, how, how about you? Do, you? do you ever grumble or argue? <laughs> Louder, just for the recording, can we get that in there, please, <laughs> <Like that. laughs> No, I'm joking. Like, when or where, I'm not asking for you to actually tell me, but think about this, when or where, what scenarios, what triggers your whinge? Is it kind of constant? Have you got this constant monologue in your life where you're just like, oh, oh it's annoying. You know? Is that how it works? What sets you off? Is it people? Is it work? Is it the spouse, partner, boyfriend, girlfriend, whatever? So. Ungratefulness? Yeah, exactly. Like, is it kids, parents? Could it be church sometimes sets off the, the inner grumble? <laughs> you know? Is it all of the above? Could it be all of the above? Uh, and do we sometimes feel that it's justified? Uh, do we sometimes try to excuse it a little bit? Because, well, it's not me. It's this or it's them. Uh, the danger... Is though that sometimes le- legitimate concerns and complaints, because that's what we're talking about, things can be genuinely annoying or unjust. Like things that we should be, like, have a response to, but how do we respond to these things? The danger is that it can quickly turn into grumbling and arguing, but I'm getting ahead. So let's break this down a little bit. Because Paul says, do everything. Without grumbling or arguing. Like how many things? Everything. But what about this? Is this, can I reserve a bit of grumbling and arguing for this thing? No. Do everything, everything. He gives no specifics. It's quite poignant, the, the, the omission of saying, in these circumstances, <laughs> Don't grumble or argue. He doesn't, he just goes, in everything, don't grumble or argue. So he literally means everything, in work, in marriage, when parents, as parents, you know, for parents, in serving, in the supermarket queue, chatting with your neighbors, with your friends, with your family, everything, do life without. (laughs) But what about when, nope. Do life without grumbling. Everything means that there is nothing that permits or justifies grumbling or arguing. This is a bit awkward, isn't it? Because, like, I think sometimes, like, there are certain things that a preacher could talk about from the pulpit, and you could think, well, that's all right. I wish so-and-so was here, but I'm okay this morning. But this this is the one where, honestly, I think... This is a complete out-of-the-air guess, but I think a strong 80% of us would be able to go, yeah, I feel a bit awkward about this because I struggle with this sometimes. I mean, there are some people that I don't really hear grumbling or arguing. I don't, for example, ever hear Simon grumbling or arguing. He's like one of the most chill, laid-back guys I know, but if we were to get Rona back in here and say, Rona, tell us a little bit about Simon, would we get a different picture? I'm certain that we would. You know, I've just noticed that Liz isn't in here either, so Kenny, we can just, like, anything you want to get off... (laughs) Well said. For the recording, Kenny just said, Liz is perfect. (laughs) Even even when you have a legitimate complaint, do everything without grumbling and arguing. That's challenging, isn't it? But, But that is what it looks like to reflect the source. Have you ever read anything of Jesus in scripture where he's grumbling and arguing? Yes, he gets angry. Yes, he turns tables over, but that is not grumbling and arguing. Yes, I'm sure there were times where a normal person would have had Peter and James and all the cohort behind him whinging and bickering, and I would have been like, oh, for goodness sake. But scripture never says that. I mean, Jesus challenges them on it, but he doesn't grumble or argue about it. And even before his accusers, he remained silent, led like a lamb to slaughter. So let's have a quick look at grumbling and arguing. The first word for grumbling is gongoosmos. A great word, right? Gongoosmos. Okay? And it's actually about complaining or or murmuring, and elsewhere it's used as whispering. Like maybe you're not a loudly vocal grumbler, but do sometimes oh for goodness sake. Oh that's just whispering is. The same, there's a sense of whinging. A, a sense of chuntering. I love that word, chuntering. Because you can kind of chunter. I, I had a stepfather, and he wouldn't often say much. He was kind of like Prince Philip, actually. He was quite that kind of cut of cloth. But he would sometimes just go... Oh. <laughs> like that, <laughs> and he'd come in and he'd hear my music on he'd go, loud, kind of thing, and he'd just whisper it, he'd chunter it, loud, <laughs> kind of music, <laughs> do we sometimes do that, and then, uh, and then the word for arguing, dialogue dialogismos it's where we get our word dialogue from, it's, it's about a movement of thought, about deliberation, or Calculation, kind of plotting. That's what it is. There's a a sense of a kind of running commentary, a bit of a, a debate, and not in a healthy way, like rationalizing or bringing contention into things. So a teacher or a parent might say things like, That's it, my word is final, no deliberation. Yeah? That's kind of what we're talking about here, no, no arguments, no ifs, no buts, just my word is final, that's it, end of. You know, Maybe a teacher or a parent might say, this isn't a debate, have you ever said that <laughs> to your kids or to a class or something like that, this isn't a debate, or thank you, I don't need a running commentary. All of those carry this sense of arguing, bickering, kind of contention in there. And perhaps movement of thought doesn't sound too bad, right? Like dialogue, deliberation, debate, possibly even sound quite sensible. But it depends, like it always comes back to here. Always back to the heart. Like in 2 Corinthians 10, Paul says we demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. But it's preceded by uh, verse 4 in chapter 10, which says the weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. So the way we demolish arguments shouldn't be by just having a louder argument. That's not Christ-like. We demolish them with a different weapon. So grumbling and arguing are weapons of the world. And we don't fight that way. But, but rather, as Paul follows, he says, we take captive every thought and make it obedient to Christ. So movement of thought to be godly should be movement in the direction of Christ and not just, what do I feel like I should be thinking today? And, and, and elsewhere, movement of thought translates as doubtful thought, or evil or wrongful thoughts, like when Jesus knew what the Pharisees were thinking, and they were grumbling, and they were full of murderous thoughts. That is kind of what this is. In this context, grumbling, what we have is a picture of being argumentative, contentious, perhaps coldly calculating, deliberately disruptive and ultimately unchrist like So what Paul is talking about here is a discontented thought process. That thoughts that pour from that source will pollute the purity of the stream of spiritual life. Uh, and they have a nasty habit of turning into actions further downstream. Have you ever noticed that? It might start here, and if we let it linger, if we don't take it captive, it has a nasty habit of working its way out of our mouth or into our actions further downstream. And I bet I'm not the only person in this room that has many occasions in my life wished I could have taken back what I either just said or I just did. Grumbling and arguing is opposite to the nature of Christ. I can't paint that in a kinder way, really. It is opposite. It's contradictory to the working out of salvation. Uh, And listen, I'm not saying this over you, but grumbling and arguing is literally anti-Christ. That's the way the enemy moves. The thing is, the enemy's clever and he knows which buttons to push in your life. And he's very clever and subtle at getting people who reflect the light of the sun of glory to reflect the darkness of the enemy. Do you want your life to look like you're related to Satan? Or you look like you're related to Christ. That's heavy, I know. And I put myself right here, like jokes aside, I'm a grumbler and it's un like And so I need to yield that to him. Uh, what might this look like in us? How, how do we grumble and argue? Well, gossip is one. Like we, we, Sometimes we think of things like grumbling and gossiping as the soft sins. There is no such thing as a soft sin. Sin is to fall short of the glory of God. And actually there's a willfulness in it. And gossip is always willful. You, you can never gossip by accident. It's just not possible. You can never grumble by accident. You might find that it's the most natural thing that comes out as I do when I'm provoked. Okay, same as you, I guess. But, but there's always a choice layer there. There's always a way that I can... Why would Paul say take captive every thought if we couldn't possibly take captive every thought? But we can. We can in the power of Jesus Christ. We can do that. So, so gossip, disgruntledness, slander, comparison. Comparison. It, it, it's a sense of grumbling because you're kind of like... Oh, I, they're so much better than me or they're so much like, worse than me and there's a sense of you're kind of rationalizing and arguing it out and your thoughts aren't godly or contention and bickering false expectations these are all ways that we grumble and argue and what about in the church? I, I, honestly, I've been to meetings not here like, I've, I've been to meetings and I, I can sit and I'm like oh, that's not how we would do it like, oh that 's a bit off-putting, even instead of just recognizing something and thinking that could be done better or that you, know, you know, maybe we, we think of a different way of doing things, instead of doing that, I just sit and I grumble about it in my heart. you know and maybe here we do things differently or wrong. <laughs> you know that 's possible. Maybe, maybe the music choice or style isn 't always to taste. What, what do we do with that 's okay that 's okay. To have that preference, and it's okay to be like, no, I would prefer it if the music was, or if the, the song choice was. That's fine, but what do you do with that? That's the real issue here. Uh, perhaps we don't preach uh, the best way to connect with you, or perhaps it's too fluffy, or, or too heavy, or too short, or too long. I mean, that's subjective stuff. It depends on who you are and what you like and how you connect with a speaker, doesn't it? But, but what do you do with it if you don't like it? That's the question. Our coffee is too hot or too cold, or too cheap, or too posh. You know, it's possible for two people to have a completely opposite position on these things. I, I remember Pastor Dom years ago, on the same day, he had one person come up to him and say, this church is far too mission-oriented, and it's not enough about discipleship in the, the church. It's always looking out to what it can do. The, same, the very same day, he got an email saying, we're not missional enough. We've concentrated so much on discipling the church that so we're not actually going out there and doing anything. How? Can both be true, but it's perception, isn't it? But what do you do with those perceptions? That's the real issue. Do we have too many church kind of meetings, like church type meetings, uh, and not enough outreach stuff or social help? Or would you flip that around? Are are we too focused on outreach and not focused enough on church? Are we too friendly and invade your space? Or, Or are we too cliquey and slow to approach new people? Like Again, you can have a different perspective on that, but what do we do with it? What do we do with the things that we don't like? If you're sitting here and you're thinking, I've got nothing to grumble about, stick around. (laughs) Stick around. Like, I guarantee if you spend any prolonged amount of time with any group of people, you'll find some things that you could grumble about. Right? That's the truth. Any group of people. I I bet some of us, maybe myself included, when we do stand before the king of glory, we go, there's a couple of things I want to just run by you, Lord. Not quite happy about. There are tens of personalities, tens of opinions and preferences, characters with flaws and with beautiful strengths. People who are prone to bad days, shy days, overshare days in church. People you might find a tad awkward or annoying. You know, there are all these things. When we get a group of people together, the question is, what do you do about it? Why do we grumble? Why do we argue? What, what are some of the reasons behind this, or excuses? Because like, it is hard, that's why I'm making sure I keep telling you I'm right in the middle of this as well. Okay, this is not, the pastor's got this figured and is teaching us how to do that. So here's some of the reasons we might grumble and argue. Firstly, hurt. There's a phrase that's often used that says hurt people hurt people. It's fundamentally true. I've known it to be true. Almost in every case where somebody has been deeply wounded, there will be some way in which they will also deeply wound. And I know because I've been deeply wounded as a child uh, and what came out of me was aggression and, and actually an intention to just destroy other people on occasion and deeply wound. Sometimes we expect pain, and so we surround ourselves with the self-defense of grumbling and arguing. Pride. Maybe because I shouldn't be expected to do that. And one of the things I'm, I've always been tempted to do is when we bring somebody into leadership or into a, a kind of front-facing role in the church, like what I really want to do is say, first, meet me down in Riverview. We're going to go through and scrub the toilets, and, and we'll just have a chat while we're doing that. Because, because if, you, if that's beneath you, then this platform should never have you on it. You know? It wouldn't work because Isabel always makes sure that the toilets are sparklingly clean. So like, I I wouldn't be able to use that as a way to to initiate people, but there we go. I mean, selfishness, maybe, because that's not how I would want it to be. It should be tailored to me, to my needs, and therefore if it's not serving my, my desire and my needs, then I'm gonna grumble about it, or offendedness, or bitterness, or frustration with something. Laziness can be a source of grumbling and arguing, because, oh, the effort. <laughs> why? You're asking too much of me. I just, honestly, I don't want to do that. Or, or tiredness, because lazy isn't always lazy. What looks like lazy, this is why Jesus is very specific that we shouldn't be quick to judge each other, because lazy might be fatigue. it might be tiredness. There might be another Plethora of reasons for it, exhaustion. But here's the one that I guarantee is at the source of it all distance from God. Being far from the source. Remember that the purest water is found closest to the source. Now, I want to just clarify something here because we talk about being distant from God, that is actually inaccurate. You might feel distant from God. Your walk might be out of step with the Spirit. And that makes you feel like you're distant from God. If you are a believer, then where is the life of God? Indwelling. How can you get distant from that which indwells you? So you're not distant from the source but you might be out of step. There might be things that you've allowed into your life that are polluting the outpouring of that source or just blocking it off, okay? But the source is intact. You know, it might seem like a small insignificant thing if we're thinking about why grumbling and arguing is a problem. But it's a, a drip, 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 and every single molecule is further polluting the stream. Every grumble might seem like nothing. might even be that nobody hears it. But you're affecting your own self, your own witness. I mean, I mean first and foremost, like, the most obvious thing is nobody likes a grumbler, e- even other grumblers. Like, if I'm grumbling out loud, people don't really want to be around me. They just let me have my space. And like people don't enjoy it. They're not like, great, come and let's grumble together. I mean, we do tend to grumble together and gossip together. But actually, don't you feel that when you do that, there's something that just feels a little bit kind of dirty about that, a little bit stained, a little bit wrong, a little bit uncomfortable, even as we enjoy it. Don't we feel a check on our spirit? It's like a little water that gradually erodes an entire hillside. And think about the way to Paul caravan, you have to drive across the rest and be thankful road. And every so often, if there's enough water that comes down that hillside, the hillside literally just shifts across the road and so it might feel like that's just a drop of H2O, that's just a little bit of water but it multiplies and causes spiritual landslides in, in our lives uh, and it pollutes the water literally like a dead sheep in the stream. So the source remains pure but the outflow is tainted. And it, and it doesn't just taint it for everyone else, it taints it for you in your walk with Jesus Christ. And it might be that if you're struggling with the joy of the Lord, which is to be your strength, it might be that it's worth considering. Is there something in the output of your life that is out of step with the Spirit of God who dwells in your life? How, how does it pollute? Well, it, it pollutes the witness of Christ. In you, it it drags you further and corrupts this outworking. And the further we get from the source, reflecting Jesus, the more likely we are to grumble and argue, and therefore get swept further still and polluted furthermore. I want to tell you something incredible. This is not in my notes. The prodigal son made a decision to leave. The father to take the father's wealth, kind of spit in his face a little bit and go to a distant land. But that distant land, he he wasn't teleported there. He went to that land step by step. And, And as we move ourselves out of step with the spirit, and we distance ourselves, it's step by step. Until we're in a distant land. And then we get to that distant land and we find that epiphany moment. I'm here in pig's swill, longing for something decent to eat. I'm hungering for something better than what I have. And I recognize I put myself here with the step-by-step. Yeah? But here's the great joy. Even in that most distant of lands, he just had to turn to the Father and the Father was coming to meet him. If you're feeling this morning that maybe there's been a step-by-step, grumble by grumble, contention by contention away from the purity of the source, just turn, turn your eyes to Jesus, and know that the way back is a lot quicker and a lot more effective than you could possibly imagine. Another reason, and I'm going to start wrapping this up in a second, another reason is that grumbling and moaning, uh, grumbling and arguing, sorry, it erodes the reputation of the church. I've sadly spoken to so many Christians, uh, sorry, non-Christians, and the reason they don't want to go to church isn't because of Jesus Christ, it's because of the church. That's a painful indictment to to realize the impact that we can have on how the gospel shines in this community. I'm going to pause here, bring it in. And I'll come to this next time because we are supposed to act differently. Be different. As Paul talks about shining as lights in the world, and yet we dim that light when we argue and grumble together. We dim that light. We impact the effectiveness of the gospel in boness. And the reason that Paul wants to put that front and center here is basically he's saying... Consider Jesus, consider the life, the living flow that he's worked into you and allow that to work out of you. And to do that, stop grumbling and arguing. Now, I don't want to finish on that note. I want to finish on this. (laughs) Jesus loves you grumbly, argue as we are. The, the amount of times we stuff it all up. My sins, they're many. His mercy is more. It's him. He will hold you fast. If you're struggling, if, if you're feeling a weight of conviction this morning, then don't just push that away, but also don't let the enemy kind of do the ha ha at you, because that's what he wants to do, but Jesus doesn't want that. What Jesus wants to do is to set you free, to raise you to life. The grave is the thing that stinks, but Jesus has risen us, he's overcome the power of the grave. He has defeated the the, the rancidity of the grave. It is no longer a thing that can have power over us because we've been raised with the resurrection life of Jesus Christ and he is more than able to hold you fast. So if you're struggling this morning, if if you're feeling the weight of this, let, let me encourage you just to say, Lord, I'm a grumbler and I acknowledge it before you now. Please come and wash my feet again. Stand together, church. He will hold you fast. Even if you are in a distant land of grumbling and arguing, as I find myself in from time to time, turn to Jesus. Find that the way home is a lot less distance than the way out from home. He's ready to come, to cleanse, to heal to purify, draw near to the source, draw near to the source of life. Oh Lord, we come before you this morning uh, uh, and we know that at some point in our Christian lives, we have tasted of the beauty and the wonder of the source of life, that well of living water. And as we've tasted it, you've declared that that wells up inside of us, that, that we are now containers of rivers, of living water, that your spirit is within us, that, that the purity of the sun is able to be visible on the outside of our lives because he indwells the inside of our lives. So let the fruit of his spirit grow all the more in us and let the fruit of the flesh all the more diminish in us, God, as we draw near and taste again the joy of the source of life. Lord, I pray this morning in power, in the power of your Holy Spirit, whether through a mighty noise or whether through a quiet whisper, that we would know the refreshing, cleansing flow of the water of life from the Holy Spirit coursing through us again.